See, the Lord has a plan for peace, safety, wholeness, health, and prosperity for each of us. And his plan is good. His plan is beneficial. His plan will help us. In fact, let me say this to you. The devil can't outplay God. That's good right there. He can't outplay God. He may think it's evil, but God can turn it around for... You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. Purpose can be defined as the reason for which something is done or someone was created to do. Purpose is synonymous with words like intent, aim, and plan. At times, we may find ourselves reflecting and pondering on thoughts such as, why am I here? What is my purpose in this particular relationship that I'm dealing with, whether it's work or personal level? How did I get on this path in life? And why do I allow myself to get in certain situations, even though I know that the situation is not beneficial to me? And what are my next steps in life? I've, I've often I've talked to people and they said the only thing I really do is just uh, raise my children. I don't really have anything after that. But I beg to differ and I believe God has created each one of us with a purpose or a reason for being. It's not just raising children, but I believe it's God will help you, amen, to discover why he called you. And whatever he called you to do, you're going to produce a good work. I believe the only person with the true answers about our reason for being is the creator. Our all-knowing, all-powerful, purposeful God knows our reason for being. And he knows the plan for our lives. In fact, he's got the perfect plan for each and every one of us. He places people along our pathway to prepare us for his divine purpose. He opened doors and he closes doors and gives us opportunities that align with his purpose for our lives. But an immature and carnal mindset will, will have you to believe that we are where we are, especially being blessed because of what we've done and who we know. But we know it's God who rules and reigns and is sovereign. He is the one who gets the glory for all the good things that happen in our lives. See, God knows the plan he has for us. We find this over in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29 and verse 11. For Jeremiah 29 and 11 reads as follows. For I know the faults that I think towards you, says the Lord. Now, the first clause of that says, for I know or I recognize or I acknowledge the faults, the plans, the purposes, the intention that I think toward you. And that means you in this sanctuary, me in this sanctuary, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. See, our God knows and, and the knowledge that he has a plan, he has a purpose, and he is intentional when it comes to each and every one of you. And let me say this to you, you are not a mistake. You're not a mistake. This, uh, the second part of Jeremiah 2011 Thoughts of peace, safety, health, and prosperity, and not of evil, to give you a future and a 
hope, an expectation, something that is longed for. See, the Lord has a plan for peace, safety, wholeness, health, and prosperity for each of us, and his plan is good. His plan is beneficial. His plan will help us. In fact, let me say this to you. The devil can't outplan God. Mm, that's good right there. He can't outplan God. He may think it's evil, but God can turn it around for good. And some of us can testify to that, that God took, God took what the devil meant for evil and he turned it around for good. Well, somebody ought to be happy about that right there. Because I know he did that for a few people in this sanctuary right now. I'm talking about he did it on your job. He did it in your relationship. He did it in your finances. And let me say this to you. He's still doing it right now. I mean, even if I talk to you right now, he's taking stuff that would have been meant for evil, and he's turning it for our good. How many thank God he's turning it for our good right now? Mm-hmm. It is his purpose and intention for us individually as well as corporately to bring about peace, safety, wholeness, health, and prosperity for each of us. See, the Lord is letting us know that he does not have faults or plan of evil for us. Evil includes bad, unpleasant, wicked, and twisted things. That's not God's intention for us. He doesn't want us to experience these particular things or walk in these things. He, he, now, he does not say we will not encounter evil, but he does say his thoughts for us are thoughts, are thoughts of peace and not of evil. He closes that verse that his thoughts, plan, and purpose for us is to give us a future and a hope. How will we know his thoughts and plans and purpose for our lives? I must get in Christ and stay in Christ. I must get in Christ and stay in Christ. Repeat this after me. I must get in Christ and stay in Christ. And that's so important that we understand that we get in Christ and stay in Christ. We, we must first receive him as Lord and Savior. Secondly, be filled with the Spirit. And then we abide in his written and revealed word. So I receive him as Lord and Savior. I'm filled with the Spirit. And then we abide in his written and his revealed word. When I get born again, my nature is in the process of changing. I, make a, I made a public and a private decision to align my life with the word of God. And as I learn how to think more like Jesus, talk more like Jesus, and act more like Jesus, my newness shines greater. And see, my standard for life now becomes the word of God. That's my standard now. I choose, notice, I choose to stay in God's word and make choices that reflect his word and his ways so I can access his promises. You know his promises, 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Notice, every promise that God gives to us, every blessing, every divine assurance of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory or the magnificence or the excellence and the grace of God through us. We know that the promises of God are yes and amen, but yet there's two words in that they're small letters, but they're very powerful in my opinion. In him. Notice what it says. In him are yes and in him, amen. So we got to be in him for our yes and in him for our amen. 
So if I plan to access and enjoy and receive the promises of God, I must understand that through, though he promised me a yes and an amen, it's clear that I must be in Jesus. I need to, let's, let's get specific about it. I need to be in Jesus. I don't need to be in some other God. I need to be in Jesus. Jesus. I, oh, I like that name. You can't say the name of Jesus and devil's going to start trembling and sickness trying to run out the room. Glory be to God. It's in the name of Jesus. And I need to get in Christ and stay in him to receive the promises and blessing that he has for me. And the way I stay and remain in him is by allowing his word to remain in me. And see, if there are certain privileges and benefits that come when I stay in Christ. Now, when you stay in Christ, it don't mean you ain't going to deal with situations. But the issue is, or excuse me, the promise is that when you're in Christ, you're going to receive his promises. Let's look at another scripture, John 15 and verse 7. John 15 and verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. If you abide, if you continue await in me, notice that word in me again. You know, it's something about what the Lord likes. He likes that word in me. He want to make sure you in Christ and not outside of Christ. He said, if you're in me and my words abide, they continue await in you, you will ask what you desire. And it shall be done or come into existence or be performed for you. And we must continue in Jesus. Must continue in Jesus. We, we, must, we have to wait on Jesus. We must allow his word to wait, continue, and remain in us. Now, what does that mean? That means I'm going to continue to let the word work in me despite what I'm going through in my life right now. While I'm waiting on God, you remember, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they're mounted with wings like eagles and so forth. I got to wait on God. What that mean? I'm going to do the word while I'm waiting for the word to come to pass. I'm going to think like Jesus while I'm waiting for the promises to come to pass in my life. I'm going to act like Jesus while I'm waiting for that promise to come to pass in my life. I'm going to wait on the Lord. We must also allow his word to wait and continue and remain in us. And as we do, we're going to see our asking power and access to power increase. We can ask what we desire with a promise that it shall be done for us. And I like the fact that God's going to do it for us. You know, Abraham said, nobody made me rich but God. You can't take no credit for that. Didn't nobody heal my body but God. Didn't nobody deliver me but God. Didn't nobody bring me out but God. Yeah, he might have used your hand to bring me out, but who gave you the strength in your hand to bring me out? Let me get out of that because that, that, that might take me down the road. I ain't ready to go yet. But God's promises to give us what we ask because we ask according to his will. You remember what Jesus said? Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. See, when we ask according to his will, you're going to wait till his will comes to pass. Even if it ain't in the timing that you want it in, it's going to come to pass. Not my will, but your will be done. Woo. You know, if Jesus prayed that prayer, you know the rest of us. <laughs> Glory be to God. The more I know about Christ and grow in Christ, I realize that I must remain in him. In fact, my newness comes forth in him. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 reads as follows. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Therefore, if anyone, any man or whoever is in Christ, notice that word in Christ again, he is a new or new creation. He's a fresh, unused, unworn, never seen before creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Paul speaks to the Corinthian church and to us today to remind us that if anyone is in Christ, abiding him, remaining in him, that person is a new creation. A person is a new creation in Christ will strive daily to think, talk, and act more like Jesus. See, my old behaviors, my old attitudes, my old jealousy, my old twisted thinking, my old twisted nature is passing away and perishing because I'm striving, I'm trying daily to submit to the written and revealed word of God. We're not flawless, but we're pur purposeful and intentional. Despite what we have seen, done, participated in, and such like, if we are in Christ, we are new, fresh, unused, and unworn creation. I like what Paul said. I, I ain't did nobody wrong. Paul, what do you mean, Paul, you ain't did nobody wrong? You were the one that was killing all these Christians. Oh, I'm a new creation now. That's, that was the old Paul. That Paul dead gone. Listen, I, yeah, I know I used to get drunk. I used to lie, cheat, and steal. Yeah, that was me. But, you know, that person dead. Now, I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everybody say old things. And you got to know in your mind and in your spirit that that's an old thing. You can't say that can't be a new thing. That got to be an old thing. That means it's no longer has an effect in your life. So the Lord makes it clear that the old things that we remember, that they remember are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have to be careful not to keep taking, talking, and rehearsing old things, old deeds, old relationships in our lives. According to the text, we are in Christ. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Glory be to God. The key, though, I got to be in Christ. Got to be in Christ. Which brings us to today's text in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For we are his workmanship, his product, that which he has made. And he created us, he shaped us, he's formed us, and he's transforming us in Christ Jesus. And notice the purpose for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, now Paul is ministering to the church in Ephesus. It was, you know, now earlier, it was the Corinthian church that Paul had written a letter to and talked about being in Christ, that we are new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Now he's talking, he's wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus with the same message, teaching of the benefits of being and remaining in Christ. He begins the verse by stating that we are his workmanship. We are not our own. We were brought with a price. Jesus shed his blood back at Calvary and now he got rights to us. We have to submit to what we give our rights to. We've, we've been brought with a price, especially for those of us who will 
make the daily choice to be in Christ. See, it's a choice you make to be in Christ. Notice again, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, the product which is made by him, created, shaped, and formed in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, the Lord takes pride in his creation as well as takes ownership for his creation. We are his workmanship, shaped and formed and transformed and completely changed in Christ Jesus for a purpose. What is the purpose according to the text? Good works. Good works. God wants us and he is going to perform good works through us. So my purpose is to produce good works. Part of my purpose is to produce good works. We have to allow God, his spirit, and his word to change us and make us better because he's preparing us for something that is bigger than us, bigger than our situation. We are created in the latter part of that text. We are created in Ephesians 2 and 10. We're shaped and formed in Christ Jesus for good works, for useful, for excellence, and distinguished works, which God prepared. He makes ready beforehand that we should walk or operate in them. Remember how he said we walk by faith and not by sight? That's a good work. That's a good word. And see, the Lord has created us for good works in the church and beyond the church. He desires for our deeds, actions, and such like to be useful and beneficial to others. See, God doesn't want you to be good in the church and then to get out, outside of the church and be evil. He doesn't want you to get, be evil in the church and go out and be good to everybody else. He wants you to be consistent in your behavior. He desires that our works in his house and beyond his house to be excellent, distinguished, and, and they stand out. Why? So that he can be glorified. He can be lifted up. He can be magnified. When God gets the glory, lives can be changed. As he's lifted up, we can lift others up out of their situation and their circumstance. We see this in the book of John chapter 12 and verse 32. And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Notice this, if I'm lifted up, exalted, and elevated from the earth, I will draw or drag all peoples to myself. To exalt means to glorify, to elevate something. And as I make this daily choice to lift Jesus up by my good deeds or my good works that he created me to do, I'm bringing glory to him. He is shining. He is being magnified and elevated. When people see his power working in me, they have a witness that his power can work in them as well. See, God is not a respecter of persons. If it worked for that person, it'll work for you as well. The thing we can't do is covet somebody else's gift. If we do what God has called for us to do, it's going to magnify him. When I'm, going, when I'm doing my good works that I was created in him to do, it's going to be a bright light for others to see. Again, Matthew 5 and 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine before men that they may see or be experienced or discern your good works and glorify and praise and celebrate and magnify our Father in heaven. Whatever work that God has called for me to do in this, it needs to be genuine, approved, excellent, and beneficial. I must realize that I was created to shine. Ooh. 
This is personal. He says, let your light shine. Let God's light, his splendor, his truth and knowledge shine in me. My words, deeds, and acts and attitude must be a light according to this particular verse. A light that shines, a bright light that says that what he or she does for God, he does it extremely well. Or they're working on getting better at it. He plays instruments for God. He does that extremely well. Or he's getting better at it. He, he sing, they, she or she sing praises to God. She does it extremely well, and she's also working on getting better at it. He serves and helps ministry extremely well. They make others feel welcome. They do it extremely well, and they're still trying to get better at it. You never want to get satisfied at doing stuff well and then think you don't need to get better at it. I think that's one thing that glorifies God, just you getting better. God said, look, look where I brought that person from. They barely knew John 3, 16, but now they're quoting scriptures left and right. Woo! Notice how they pray. Jesus, I remember Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. They prayed one way, but God taught them how to get better. Listen, God will always be teaching us how to get better. And I believe to me, that glorifies God. That glorifies God. Can you imagine if you were the same person you were five years ago? God gets the glory when we get better. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to get better. How many appreciate God helping you to get better? You're not the same person you used to be. He's helping you to get better. But let me say, you getting better makes him look good. He said, look at that, man, they ain't the same person. I remember every other word was a cuss word, but now their mouth seems to be holy now. Can you imagine how God is helping us, has helped us in the past just to get better? And as we get better, it glorifies him. Other ministries, other ministries such as armor bearers, pastoral aid, deacons, outreach ministry, they're in Christ, his workmanship, created to do good works. Pastors aid doing good works. Armor bearers doing good works. Deacons doing good works. Outreach ministry doing good works. Health team doing good works for his glory. The Lord wants our light to shine beyond the church. He teaches and you notice how even people that work outside of the church, they can be a person that has a business, and you look at them and say, man, look, they, they do extremely well. And not only that, they're not even satisfied with where they're at. They're just trying to get better. That person, that's a good teacher at school. They really do well with them children. They're doing well, and they're getting better at, at all at the same time. They run their own business extremely well. Their good works are shining before men, and God is being glorified, elevated, and magnified. The more that he is lifted up in our lives, his inward power can draw others to him. Now, as Paul, the author of Ephesians, was writing this letter to the saints in Ephesus, no doubt he was giving them a compliment and recognizing them as one who can be trusted and can be relied on when it comes to the things pertaining to God. Notice, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Notice Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints. A saint, this definition really stood out to me, a person who has a close relationship to Jesus. A person who has a close relationship to Jesus, who are in Ephesus, and they're also faithful, they're trustworthy, one who can be relied on in 
Christ Jesus. Notice Paul is writing this letter to the saints. Saints are the ones who seek to have a close relationship with Jesus. In fact, he could be writing a letter to Overcomers Christian Center, and he says, to the saints, to the ones who have a close relationship with Jesus. In fact, there are people in the sanctuary right now, you desire to have a close relationship with Jesus. Yeah, you may be close to your sisters and brothers in Christ, but your number one desire is to have a close relationship with Jesus. You want to have a close relationship with Jesus. Yeah, you love your spouse and you love your children, but you love Jesus more. He is your number one priority. And saints are not flawless or without shortcomings, but their heart is to get in Jesus and remain in Jesus in his written and revealed word. See, a saint will not allow anything or any person to come between them and Christ and his word and his way. See, mature, state, mature saints understand the necessity of staying in Christ and his word and staying in them. In fact, every Christian needs to know, I got to have Jesus first in my life. I can't have him second, third, or fourth, or fifth. Because Jesus don't take second uh, well. I put it to you like that. He don't take being third well. He don't take being fourth, fifth, or sixth well. If he ain't first, he don't like nothing out there. He got to be first in your life. I like one scripture says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. We have to constantly make up in our minds to not allow our relationships, our situations, stress, anxiety, lack, jobs, family, friends, even church folks to separate us or divide us or create a barrier for us from the love of Christ. Romans 8 and 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword who shall separate? Who shall divide us? Who shall cause us to leave Christ? Who shall cause us to go away from, notice what it says, the love of Christ. The love of Christ. The love of Christ. There will be those things that will try to separate us or cause us to leave Christ, but we cannot allow them to win. See, the enemy, people, and our own inward thoughts will use problems, emotional issues, financial problems, financial pressure and so forth to create walls between us and our savior and you know what's interesting about those walls nobody can see them walls but we, but we can see the effect of those walls in your life nobody can see the walls that have been built up between you and the lord but we can see the effect of the walls being built up in your life between you and the lord who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I have to make a daily choice to be in Christ and in the love of Christ. I must remain faithful and loyal to our Savior. I need, I, I need to be known as one that Jesus can rely on. Life has a way of showing us where our level of faithfulness is, especially when we have to choose between God and our friends or our fleshly desires. Is he really first in your life? Are we faithful to what he wants or faithful to what we want? See, today's message reminds us that we are created for good works. And Jesus is the standard for good works. You can't go by man's standard of good works. Man changed in a heartbeat. 
But God remains the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That's why Ephesians 2 and 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We must remain faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ because his love is worth it. We must be in Christ or with Christ. A close relationship with Jesus must be my number one priority. I cannot allow anything to come between me and the love of Jesus. Oh, God, as much as I love you, I cannot allow you to come between me and my Jesus. Now, to have a close relationship with Jesus requires that I meditate on his word daily. Spend time reading and rehearsing the scriptures in my mind, reading over the sermon notes and so forth. Secondly, I need to listen attentively to God's word, coming to church, Bible study, revivals, ready to hear a word that will give me guidance, direction, strength, and encouragement. Listen to the podcast, listen to the videos, listening attentively to, attentively to God's word. Thirdly, I need to share his word. It helps me to understand and speak his word in my life as well as others. When you can share it, it helps you to better process it in your mind. See, sharing God's word with others helps me to speak with confidence and with assurance. And the more I'm thinking of him, speaking on him, and doing good works in him, the closer that my relationship will be in Christ. My old sin nature is being replaced by godly nature. By godly nature. And that's so important to understand. That's why Paul wrote, he says three words that are so powerful. I die daily. Because he understood that even though he's dying daily, his flesh don't want to go away. He, his flesh don't want to go. His flesh to desires, his carnal desires don't want to go away. And if you don't die daily, the old flesh and desires can rise back up. They can rise back up. And see, some of us know we thought our anger issues were gone, but you got into the right environment. You didn't die daily in the area of your anger. And next thing you know, you were telling somebody off. You're like, I didn't realize that was in me. Yeah, it was there. It was there before. But you just, listen, it was, you forgot to die daily in that area. And any area that you have trouble in, you got to die daily in. You cannot take any chance with the flesh or carnal desires because they will rise back up. They will rise back up. I'm telling you, they will rise back up. In my opinion, the only thing that can change and transform us is the word of God. What do I mean, what do I mean by transform? Make a dramatic change in the form, appearance, and character. See, when we gain knowledge and understanding of God's written and revealed word, it makes a dramatic change in us. A dramatic change that is considered sizable and marvelous. Some change that God makes in us surprises us and surprises others. You know, some people are just surprised how saved you really are. Thank y'all for the four-way mans. You act like you were that holy. You know, some people are surprised just how saved you really are. You talking about going to church now. Woo, my God. That thought that would never happen in your life. God knows what he's doing in your life. People will give up on us, and we may give up on ourselves, but God's word will come in and make that change. Jeremiah gives as an example of how hard it is to change the character of a man. Jeremiah 13, 23. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard its spots? Then, you may, then may, may you also do good, 
who are accustomed to do evil. Can the Ethiopian change or transform or reverse his skin or the leopard its spot? Then may you also do good what is pleasing to God, what is right, who are accustomed, who's been taught and learned to do evil, do wicked against God's word. Interesting statement that Jeremiah makes. Can an Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? See, Jeremiah asked this question. And the question, can we overturn or reverse any part of us that God created externally? We might be able to alter it, but we can't overturn it. It does not matter what we do. We cannot change our skin, neither can a leopard change or transform his spots. Can, can you imagine one day somebody can say that a leopard no longer has spots? Like, I can't believe that. But anyway, when we hear and we've been taught the word, the enemy and our old nature, who is not under divine influence, does evil. And it takes God to change us. See, evil is wicked, twisted, hurtful, and harmful things that go against God's word. People can do evil in the church as well as outside the church if they don't allow the word of God to change them. We can hear the word, understand the word, but if you refuse to change and do what the word says, and evil will continue to work. We'll continue to have twisted thoughts and do hurtful and hurt, harmful things to self as well as others. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God to change us and to make us better. Even David echoed something very similar in Psalms 51 and verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Behold, I was brought forth in, I was bared in iniquity, guilt, a consequence of immorality, known sin. And in sin, that which violated God's law and command, my mother conceived me. Notice that this text, is, that, uh, text has the person in sin, just like the text we discussed earlier was in Christ. Notice what David said, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin. Notice in sin, my mother conceived me. But we also understand either you in Christ or you're not in Christ. You're in something else. That's why when we have scriptures like John 15 and verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, those in you, in me and in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Ephesians 2 and 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I believe that on a daily basis, one or two things is happening. Either we are in Christ or we're in something else. That's why it's essential we don't straddle between the two. We can't be in both places. Revelation 3 and 15. Notice this. When you try to be in two places, God got something that he, he has specifically for people to try to be in two places. Notice Revelation 3 and 15. I know your words, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. Again, I know your words. I know your acts. I know your deeds. I know what you're producing, that you're neither cold, one that is destitute of the Christian, Christian desire or desire for holiness or walking in faith, nor hot. You don't have a zeal for God. 
or the things of God. And he wish, I wish. Oh, I wish in the sense that I want to see it happen and know that it probably will not happen. You will cold the heart. See, the Lord is speaking. Our all-knowing, all-present, ever-loving God says, I know your works, your deeds, your actions, what you're producing. Inwardly, you made the choice to be hot or and cold all at the same time. You made a choice. It wasn't God that doing this. This is your choice. I'm not going to be hot. I'm going to be cold. I'm going to be in between. I'm going to be indifferent. It's hard to do good works when we're neither hot nor cold. The Lord knows where we are, even if the pastor and the people at the church don't know where you are. The Lord knows. In this sanctuary right now, God knows who cold and God knows who hot. He knows. He, I, listen, I may not know. You might look hot as fire to me. And God said, no, nah, they're cold. The Lord knows. If we're tipping and dipping, God knows. If we're saying one thing and doing something else, God knows. He knows and he is saying, I know and you need to make a choice. So then, if you don't, verse 16 can take place. Revelation 3 and 16. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you're lukewarm, you're fluctuating between and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you. I'm going to eject or spew you out of my mouth mouth. When we fluctuate in our faith with our good works with being on, excuse me, when we fluctuate in our faith and with our good works with being on fire for God and complacent and indifferent, it says that we shift back and forth with uncertainty. It dims our life for good of, work, of good works before men when we are lukewarm. Jesus not being glorified, he deserves because he is not a lukewarm God. In fact, he says in verse 16, because you're neither cold nor hot, I will eject you or vomit you from my mouth. Sounds almost gross, don't it? That's that person in that situation. They're not in a good place. This type of teaching tends to settle us, make us think, and not be so quick to speak. Elijah also ran into a similar situation, asked the people a powerful and life-changing question in 1 Kings 18, 21. Uh, and Elijah said, came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. And Elijah came to the people and said, how long will you falter or lame, be lame or limp between two opinions, two faults, two divided in your mind? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answer him not a word. But we don't want to be in that situation. We, we don't answer God a word. We don't answer God a word. When a person between two opinions will not choose one or the other, the text describes this person as faltering or lame. See, a lame person is unable to walk and move without difficulty. It's hard to lead people with good works if we're limping and can't move forward. We're encouraging people to stand strong, but we're not standing strong ourselves. We have to know and know that God is bigger than the situation that we're dealing with. The area of ministry that he has chosen us to lead and serve is bigger than us. The ministry is bigger than us. He has a purpose for the good works that he has to us to do in the church. That's why he has scriptures like Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. 
being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it into the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident of this very thing, that he, he who has begun, he has started and initiated a what? A good work. He has initiated a good work in you, will complete it, bring it to a satisfactory end, conclude it until the day of Jesus Christ. We were created with distinction. We were created to stand out, to be successful, and created with such reference that God can only do what he do. And you may not start out well, Moses, but you're created to do good works. You may not, Abraham, you may not start out, and it may come later in life, but your Isaac is waiting for you. A good work. Whatever you do in ministry, even if you don't start out good, you can end well. Because why? You're doing a good work. You were created for good works. God, when God made us, he made us for good works. David caught a hold of this in Psalms 139 and 14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. David said, I'm fearfully, irreverently, and wonderfully. I am distinguished and set apart. And, my, and that my soul knows very well. See, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you a deacon. He made you well. Therefore, you can produce good works. When he made you a singer, he made you well. And you can produce a good work. When God made you uh, whatever he made you to do, he made you well. And you can produce that good work. See, when God created you, he created a good work. He is going to do a good work through you, but it's going to be for his glory. Well, Pastor, I haven't discovered what God created me to do. Nothing wrong. Stay around, stay in him, stay in his word, and God will reveal to you the good work he wants you to do. And some good works are only going to be for a season before he moves you on to something else different. But continue to do the good work that he's called for you to do in this season so you can reap the harvest that God has for your life. It's all up to us to make the choice to mature and being more Christ-minded and allow his mind to be in us. So you want to produce a good word? You need the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Allow or permit this mind to be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Any work that the Lord starts in us, he is faithful, resourceful, powerful, and will give us the know-how and ability to complete it. His word going to come to pass in our life. But it's up to us to understand that we are created for good works in Christ Jesus. We are created for good works in Christ Jesus. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer requests and testimonies to our website at occvr.org. That's occvr.org. 
we would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at occvr.org. Click on the Give button to give online, or you can utilize text to give Text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at occvr.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.